The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International. The suicide rate in America has increased 24% within 20 years. Max Lucado says people are dying from a lack of hope. Because if you, if you suck God out of a picture, you know, out of the conversation, then, then your fundamental answers to important questions are very difficult to answer. What's the meaning of life? What happens after we die? What's the purpose of life? It's a mental decision. It's, it's moving from head to heart and saying, okay, I'm moving right here and I'm gonna stand on that promise. Today I'm here with Randy Robeson, and we are very excited. Um, one of my favorite authors on the planet is here with us. Um, I've read every single thing I think that he's ever written, but his new book, Unshakable Hope, Building Our Lives on the Promises of God, I think is one of his most profound. Will you help me welcome Max Licato? Thank you. Good to have you back. Thank you. Good to see you. I want to ask you perhaps the most obvious question at first, Max. What made you write this particular book? You know, um, you know, I'm a pastor, and and so all of my books emerge from from lessons uh, that I prepare for our church, and then all of the lessons I prepare for our church hopefully emerge from uh, the leading of the Lord as, as I visit with people. And I began to sense uh, more and more people battling a sense of despair, yeah. and uh, that coupled with a statistic that I came across that said that the uh, rate of suicides has increased uh, 24% uh, in the last 18 years. Wow. And uh, I know that's a complex issue and I sure don't wanna oversimplify it, but uh, between just the conversations I had of people saying I don't have any, uh, I don't feel good, I don't feel any encouragement anymore, increasing uh, number of people battling with, with bouts of depression or, or extended sense of feeling like I, like I can't solve life. And then that statistic just came together and I said, I, I, I think, I think we just need to talk about hope mm -hmm. because at, at the heart of it all is what people need. And, uh, and so that, that's really where, where this came from was uh, how, how can I help people find hope? Um, you know, you're a pastor and yet you're talking about the suicide rate increasing, a lack of hope. Are you seeing this in the church as well? We do, we do. Um, as a, as a, I wish I could say I've, I never have to, uh, you know, officiate a funeral of a, of a suicide victim, but I've done more than my share, mm. you know. And uh, again, that's a complex issue. It, it's very complex. Uh, we do live in an era that I think is, is seeing the, the first fruits of a, of a secularistic generation, a generation in which, you know, we've, we've publicly, uh, we, we've, we've, reduce the image or the presence of God or the suggestion of God in, in the public forum, making it more and more difficult. And so what, what are the consequences of growing up in a society uh, that uh, demeans or dismisses the presence of God in the public circle? Could it be that we're sensing uh, that, that one, of the, one of the 
casualties of a secularistic society is a lack of hope. Because if you, if you suck uh, God out of a picture, you know, out of the conversation, then, then your fundamental answers to important questions are very difficult to answer. What's the meaning of life? What happens after we die? What's the purpose of life? And, and, and you know your job and, and your looks and your <laughs> new car can only answer that so long. So maybe we're seeing that. So, so my thinking is, in some ways, I want to just keep bringing back to the public conversation. There is hope. There really is. There is legitimate hope. And not only is there hope, there's an unshakable hope. There's a hope you can build a life on. And, and so that's where this all came from. You talk in your book about us being heirs of the promise. Yeah. How do, I'm imagining some of our listeners saying, how do I access those promises for myself? You know, uh, the, the, the big idea of this book is, is to build your life on promises that God gives us in the Bible. We can either build our life on problems or pain, or we can build our lives on promises. That sounds like a good sermon outline, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, but, but we do. We either build a life, this is my problem, you know, I've, I'm going through a divorce, I've lost my job, or pain, I was raised in a broken home, or I live in a, in a difficult condition. So we, we define our lives by that. And, and, and I can see why people do that, if, if, but there's a better option. The Bible has over 7,000 promises. Over 7,000 promises. That's amazing. And I wrote a chapter for everyone in that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's a long book. It's, it's an encyclopedia. Book. It takes up a whole library. <laughs> no, I just picked 14 of my favorite. But the big idea is to, is to develop your own list of promises, you know? And, and, and whenever there's a problem, find a promise to match it. Whenever there's a problem, rather than build your life upon it, find a promise to match it. You, you, you talked about the promise in Romans chapter 8, that we are heirs of God. That's a promise. Yeah. That means I stand to inherit everything that my Lord Jesus Christ has. I'm seated at the very right hand of God. So whenever I feel deficient, which can be quite often, whenever I feel tired, whenever I feel like I don't have wisdom, rather than stand on that problem, I, I think what God would prefer we do is stand on a promise. Oh, wait a second. Okay, I may feel deficient, but God's promise is I'm an heir of God. So I'm going to stand on that promise. It's a, it's a mental decision. It's, it's moving from head to heart and saying, okay, I'm moving right here, and I'm going to stand on that promise. I love the intentionality of that. And I think that's probably what Paul meant in Ephesians when he talked about take out the sword of the Spirit. Yeah which yeah. is the Word of God. Absolutely. On my son's college campus, he's a student at Texas A&M, and he said that one of his roommates was trying to make an appointment with a counselor. The waiting list was six months. Wow. Why do you think there's such despair among young people, Max? I think, I think one of the phenomena of young people that, that our younger generation is facing today is uh, social media, and competition uh, in, in the job market. They're, they're graduating from the job market with unspeakable college debt. I mean, just, it, you know, when I, you, I'm getting so old, I'm telling those stories my dad used to say, back when I was a kid, you know. <laughs> it, it, was, it was, I think, $19 an hour, Sheila, to go to college at a private school. Wow. And you could go to a public school like the University of Texas or Texas Tech for almost a sneeze. It was, a, it was nothing. Now, as you know, sneeze has got bigger. Yeah. A sneeze has gotten bigger. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So they come out of, right, they, many of them come out of college with just unbearable college debt. Mm -hmm. Add to that, though, just this whole layer, the social media phenomena yeah. of being compared 
uh, keeping up with the number of posts, the Facebook issues. It's it's not an easy time to be alive. And but I do think the big thing is this secularization of society. Yeah, I, I really I, do. I, I tend to think that those things are almost symptomatic of the yeah. real disease. Yeah. You know, because when when you've got that foundation, well, you can even deal with debt. That God has promises on dealing with debt. When you've got maybe some insecurities, well, there's promises on that. So. I like I like you pointing back to the foundational things because they can carry us through anything. Yeah. I'm curious, though, and you'll appreciate this question, I think, based on some conversations we've had. When you look at the 7,000 promises, not all of them are necessarily for us specifically. Many of them were specific to specific people yeah. in the Bible. Right. How do we look at, at the promises and say, okay, that's for me, or maybe that was for exactly. a set time, right? Exactly. Uh, for example, one of the promises we look at in, in this particular book is from the book of Acts, where the Apostle Paul says, God has set a day in which he will judge the world. Okay, so that's a universal promise. That's a promise that applies to every human being who has ever lived. I think that allows me to have a deeper understanding of history on a timeline that whenever I feel like the world is out of control, I can turn to a promise like that and say, okay, God has set a day in he's which got, he will judge the world. There's a judgment yeah. coming. Mm -hmm. And so when I see evil out of control and part of me wants to lash out, right. I can say, you know, many of the promises, you know, kind of make me feel good, yeah. but some of them are sobering and yeah. say, okay, that punish, that evil is going to be punished. Yeah. There's, there's a reckoning for that evil. And, and so uh, I don't think for a second that God is twiddling his thumbs or sitting on his hands. Mm -hmm. God has set a day in which you will judge the world. Mm -hmm. So not, that's a great point, Randy. Not all the promises are, are focused on followers of Christ. They're, they're, they're universal. And, and many of the, of, of the promises don't necessarily make me feel good. They just tell, help me to know the world's mm -hmm. under control. God's got everything under control. My, my follow-up to that is, uh, while we're reading these promises in Scripture and, and figuring out how they apply and, and understanding sort of the nature of God through all these promises, how important is it for us to hear the promise for ourselves from God through the Holy Spirit. I appreciate you asking that because while they're uh, spoken for everybody, don't, haven't we all experienced those times in which a verse just penetrates us and the Holy Spirit takes that verse and touches our heart with it? I can remember almost where I was sitting when I came across the significance of, of Romans 8.1. Mm -hmm. There is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Uh, I, I, I just stared at those two words, no condemnation. Huge. Are you serious? There's <laughs> no, you mean even when I condemn myself, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus? And so it, it penetrated me and it, and, it, and it shaped my life. But I'm sure I'd heard that passage, but it was just the mess I'd made of my, partic my life at that particular time that made it come alive. One of the things I love that you talk about in the book, and it, recently on a trip to Australia, um, I, I read a story about a gentleman, brilliant scientist, but he flew to Switzerland where he could choose to end his life. And you talk about being made in the image of God and how that impacts how we treat every other human being, how we treat life. Person might say that the first promise in the Bible is God's statement, let us create mankind in our image. That doesn't begin with an, or end with a promise, but it, it has embedded within it, I think, a promise that says that every single human being is God's idea and that God doesn't have bad ideas. <laughs> 
uh, that that every single human being bears, regardless of their view of God, God's view of that person is you bear the image of God. Mm. Now, I believe that the purpose of life is to have that image fostered allowed to flourish, to allow all the the varnish to get rubbed away so that image can come forth. But there are those people who spend their whole life telling God there is no God. Even they, though, still have the potential to be image bearers of God. They've denied it and they've suppressed it. But so so I think then that that is the uh, greatest statement of the value of a human being right there and the value of a human life. And that is that we're created in the image of God. We're created in our mother's womb already as we're conceived. We're bearing the image of God. Whether we're legal or illegal, we're bearing the image of God. Whether we're rich or poor, we're bearing the image of God. And so every day is an opportunity for us to live forth that image. And so my life is in his hands. So imagine the society that would take that promise seriously. Wow. You know, I would, I would view every human being differently, right? Even, and especially the human beings with whom I differ. Right. I, even though I had legitimate differences from them, I would still respect them and enter into honest civil discourse, which is something we need today. Uh, because I think, okay, that, but that's still a human being. He may be completely wrong, <laughs> but I still see that person as a human being. And, and that I think also would allow us to see every day in a different way. We would see every day as an opportunity to live out that image. You know, when I think of the way that social media has become over the last year or so, where people are so angry, and even within the body of Christ, kind of tearing each other apart. And it seems as if we have lost that, that kind of ground zero of understanding that each person is made in the image of God and has value. We seem to have lost the sense of holiness and, and tear in to each other. But honestly, Max, I'm praying that people will get hold of this book and kind of reawaken to, here's what we know to be true. Here's what we can stake our life on. I mean, I love the fact that scripture says, God is not man that he should lie. And you can stake your life on the promises of God. And there are so many promises. Again, there's over 7,000. How did you choose the ones that you chose? I, I, cho <laughs> I chose these because they've either meant a lot to me or they've uh, personally, or I found, found myself returning to them over and over in conversations with people. Uh, Psalm 30 and verse 5 is one uh, that weeping may come through the night, in the night, but joy comes with the morning. I, 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 that's a go-to passage for me. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I'm, when, I do, when I do speak at funerals or when I sit down and, and talk to somebody who's burying someone they love, there's, there's no need at all to tell somebody you shouldn't weep. Just the opposite. Weeping comes with life. It does. Weeping comes. But the promise is joy is coming. Yeah. And, and what people need to hear in difficult times is it's okay to weep, but don't don't despair. Night may be here, but night will not win the day. Now, if I just say that, you know, who, yeah, that's a nice thought, Max. But if, but if God's word says that and the power, like you pointed out, the Holy Spirit, the word of God is the sword of the spirit. So putting uh, the word of God, depositing the word of God in someone's heart 
is, is, is like putting a vitamin in a body. I don't know exactly how it works, but I just know there's something good that's, that's going to happen mm -hmm. because of the power. There's power in that word. And so when I speak a promise into someone's life, that's admonition. It's high-octane encouragement. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm putting something in their life that's maybe on a time capsule, and at the right time it's going to be released, and the Holy Spirit will release that in their life. What do you think one of the barriers is to believing God's promises. It's almost like we choose hopelessness over hope by not fully believing or understanding. That's a great perhaps. question, Randy. Why do we do that? The devil. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just think the devil. Uh, he doesn't want us to, and 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 I, I know it may come couched in in more of an intellectual answer than that, you know. Mm -hmm. But I think it all comes back to Satan doesn't want us to, and so when. To those people, I just say, why don't you just try it? <laughs> just try building your life on a few promises and see what happens. This weekend, my wife came home with a, a new trash can, and you just wave your hand over the top of it, and the lid Ooh. opens. I don't know where this world's coming to when we can't open a trash can. But, you know, you just wave your hand over it, and it's got a little sensor, and a lid opens. And I says, honey, that's not going to work. She said, go in there and try it. <laughs> I tried it, and it opened. Maybe that's what we need to do with promises. Mm. Just try one on. Uh, try on. All things work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Yeah. So next time the world feels chaotic, get on your knees. Pray this promise. Say, Lord, you said all things are going to work together. And I'm going to stand on this promise. And Lord, I'm going to trust you. And then 10 minutes later when you forget, just <laughs> recite it. Write it on a, an index card. Tape it on your uh, mirror. You know, put it in your purse. Put it in your pocket. Read it 150 times a day until it becomes a part of your life. I, I bet you, Jesus said this is like the man who built his house upon the rock. Mm -hmm. You know, the storms came, but he wasn't washed away. Most, most people are, are like those who built their houses on sand. And, and, and those are people whose lives are built on problems, whose lives are built on pain. They're building their lives on circumstances. But there, are, there is a quorum of people, and the Lord knows our society could use this quorum of people mm -hmm. who are building their lives on a rock, on something solid. We're not saying no problems are going to come. Just the opposite, I, I think the devil puts us in his crosshairs when we try to follow. But I do believe that we can build our lives on these promises, and we'll still be standing. I think one of the ways that we are able to demonstrate uh, the hope that we have is by being hope for other people. I know you've seen this. Oh, absolutely, Randy. There's certain, one of the things I love so much about being involved in, in what we do here is to be able to take the kind of hope that Max talks about and see it applied in, in a situation where people literally are hopeless. There are people around the world right at this very moment praying simply for one glass of clean water for their children. But the amazing thing is that you and I can get to be an answer to that prayer. Could you watch this? Life, carefree, nurturing, loving, secure. Universal needs for children and parents alike. Yet in many places of the world, such qualities are threatened every day by a simple and basic need, water. 
ຈັ່ງປິຕຶກຫົບຕຶກຫມຸດເລກະນະປາວປາຫນັງໂດຍອັດຄຸກຄວນໃຫ້ມັນສະອາດຕິດຕຶກມີນໍາມທາໂຕ
in the name of Jesus Christ. This is not just talking the gospel, which we do proudly, boldly. This is demonstrating the gospel, which we also do. We invite you to be a part of that demonstration of the gospel around the world. We can change lives. We can restore health. We can save lives. Not only that, Randy, we'll go there. I mean, we'll go there like in the next few months and we'll film it and we'll bring it back and we'll show you. We'll show you that mum with hope in her eyes instead of despair because you care. So please go to your phone right now and make the best gift possible. Go online and together let's change the world in Jesus' name. Amen. Today, a mother living in extreme poverty will do the unthinkable. Give her children dirty, disease-filled water that she knows could kill them. With no other choice, what's a mother to do? With your help, clean water is on the way. Mission Water for Life provides a new beginning for thousands of children and their families, a bright future with better health. With your gift today, you can help drill 400 water wells in remote villages in 15 nations. Your gift of $24 will help provide clean water for five people. A gift of $48 will help provide for 10. $72 will provide for 15 people and $144 will help provide life-giving water for 30 people for a lifetime. With your gift, we'll send you the miracles of Christ, what living beyond impossible looks like. Filled with scriptures, prayers, and stories of Jesus' miraculous power, James Robison adds insight about how to walk in faith and live beyond the impossible. With your gift of $100 or more, request the morning and evening coffee mug set. Each mug features beautiful artwork and scripture from Psalm 92.2 a wonderful reminder of God's faithfulness each day. Finally, please consider a gift of $1,200 to help provide water for 250 people or a gift of $4,800 to help sponsor a complete well. And you may request the beautiful Bridge of Faith framed canvas print by Thomas Kincaid. Please call, write, or make your gift online. You know, these are beautiful children, beautiful families that have come here to contaminated water sources. And, and uh, you know, with your help, we're giving not only here in Africa help to people, but in countries all over the world where people are, are dying of diseases from contaminated water. We can drill wells in scores of countries if you would just help drill one well. Maybe you could drill a well or join one or two other people to drill one. But we need every person watching to do your part in helping provide families like this and children like this water sources, non-contaminated water, clean water, in nations throughout the world. And every time we do it, we inspire others to join us. So would you be that source of inspiration and help by making the best gift you can today? Do go to the phones, go online, give the best gift you can. We really can make such a huge difference with your help. And Sheila, I think we should do something extra special for those that respond today. Absolutely. If you go to your phone and make an, um, a gift, for any gift, we're going to make Max's book available to you, Unshakable mm -hmm. Hope. Mm -hmm. Get one for yourself. Get one for your kid who's in college. Get one for your neighbor. Max, I just want to say thank you so much, oh. not just for being here, but for writing this, for giving us hope based on the Word of God. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Thank Max for being on that. Thank you. It's a great honor. Oh, it's always a pleasure to have you. It's always so good to have you. It's always good to have you join us here on Live Today. Join us every day, and if you miss it, you can catch it online at LiveToday.org.
three-time Emmy Award winner, Super Bowl host eight times, named best studio host of the decade by Sports Illustrated, James Brown, tomorrow. Life Today is made possible by the supporters of Life Outreach International. Your gift will be used exclusively for the exempt purposes of life. The ministry features specific outreaches as examples of the programs it supports and conducts. Gifts are considered to be without restriction as to use unless explicitly stipulated by the donor. The ministry is a member of the ECFA.